Welcome, welcome, welcome. Show that comes to you once a week. Recapping the Hollywood week that was. Getting you ready for the Hollywood week to come. This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly. Hashtag MMO Weekly. Hashtag MMOW. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also Mike. Also Mike. It was a hell of a week. We celebrated our dads. Yes. Father's Day and a lot of sports, a lot of movies. Netflix. I got back into Netflix. You did. Caught up a yeah. little bit. Caught up with HBO a little bit. You caught it up with HBO a lot of bit. Yeah. One of, one of the, the Chernobyl show we'll talk about. That was interesting. That was a good watch. You got a lot of stuff, like you said, about Netflix. We got some stuff to recap here. I guess there's no other way to get to handle it than just to dive right in on this Monday morning, afternoon, whatever time it is. Uh, let's start with what we're watching. Yeah, it's hey. what? Thank you. <laughs> nice save. Go ahead. <laughs> Always be my maybe. This was hilarious. Was it good? I really loved it. Good. Uh, it's goofy. It's cliched. It's formulaic. But Gosh darn it. This movie had 10 really good hearty laughs. Is this the Keanu movie? This is the Keanu cameo movie. And I just, I really ate this up. I'm a sucker for rom-coms when they're done well. And Netflix is really saving this genre. Good. Uh, And I I love what they're doing here. Ali Wong also impressed Mm -hmm. me. She's terrific. Uh, She's really funny, which is probably not a surprise. I do like both those leads. Her Randall Park, too, yeah. Excellent job by both of them. She's not someone I've seen a lot of. I haven't even watched her stand-ups yet, so I queued those up as well. But, gosh darn, they're just making me laugh. So you could could do that uh, consistently throughout the movie. And yes, the Keanu Reeves stuff, it does not disappoint. It is really funny. I loved every second of that. So thank you. Always be my maybe. I watched I Am Mother. This is uh, some very strong science fiction, Mike. I love all the implications of what's happening. Uh, The narrative sucks you in. It's like this little chamber piece that expands as the movie goes along. A fun little guessing game with excellent performances. What is the premise of this one? Well, they're trying to repopulate the earth with a robot in a lab and she's basically like testing you think testing her parenting skills all right if i can raise one human child maybe you know the robots trying to raise maybe humans? the robot people or whatever the mm. robots can raise a bunch of human children to repopulate the planet because that was a safeguard humanity put in there at some point the dystopian future humans need to realize that relying on robots is only going to turn sour Yeah, that could be a theme or not of this movie as well. But great job, Grant Sputori, uh, young writer, director on this one. A lot of promise for him. All right, so two for two. Netflix doing a nice job, so I really enjoyed both of those. Mike, we both watched some sports this week. NBA Finals, Game 5, the OMFG Apocalypse game. And we, if we thought that was yeah. the apocalypse, the next <laughs> game, one apocalypse. You know, Kevin Durant gets hurt, then uh, Clay Thompson gets hurt in Game Six with the Raptors win. Just want to shout out all the Ringers coverage of it all. They've been they're, great. They're doing. I mean, it's addictive. I've been listening to their podcasts like twice. I really, really enjoy, obviously, Simmons stuff, obviously the NBA group chat stuff, but Simmons and Russillo, I think, they, they get together once a week. Ryan Russillo, who mm-hmm. used to be doing a show with Scott Van Pelt on ESPN Radio, now I think he's a free agent, but goes back to ESPN. But they have been 
extraordinary. Rusillo and Simmons are as good as it gets. Yeah. That's what we want to aspire to. They're, yeah, they're as absolutely. good as it gets in terms of banter. What a great podcast. I, I'm dying to get home today just to listen to that one I saw it came out this morning. Yeah, I, I caught the first like half hour, so it's, it's spectacular. It's always spectacular. But I'm so like narrow-mindedly focused now all i care about is what's going to happen thursday with the nba draft mm-hmm. like i'm sorry i know we're a movie podcast and Oscars and all, but i'm <laughs> so like all that matters to me is what happens with the celtics and thursday and they have to trade they have to make a trade do they though they Are can't they draft three people we don't have room <laughs> we did the Knicks thing last time now it's all boston right. celtics on what we're watching this week mike mike and oscar taking a pivot right pivoting into sports no i think uh i think the celtics are, are a little thrown right now yeah that's for sure after Kyrie's going to the Nets, Nets, it sounds like. And then they did not go for Anthony Davis. I'm I mean, not even how, mad at that. How do you feel, though? Because they had a good chance to get Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and, of course, Anthony Davis, and they did not ante up the Tatums and the Browns I, that we know of. So, Anthony Davis, that trade is going to be stunningly bad for the Lakers, I think. You think so? They need to win a title in the next two years. And if they don't, that trade is a disaster. They have three guys. at six total, if they, if you count all the Scartines on the rest of the yeah. roster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, but yes, they don't, and they only have like twenty-two million or twenty-five no million to sign someone else with. They're not going to get Kemba. They They're like not going to get Kawhi. Four guards and two wins. Yeah, with and you're relying money. on a thirty-five-year-old LeBron already. It's just, it's a mess there. So I hope it's a mess too. I and they, they gave up their next seven years of draft control. Literally seven years of draft control to the Pelicans. Thank God, Danny Ainge. Probably didn't do that. a bad move by you and I to <laughs> troll the LA. Uh, that don't coast. care. Don't care. I'll. <laughs> Stand by we this. got a lot of good fans out there. But Kobe no, reignited, reignited that that he brought that Celtics Lakers rivalry into like the 21st century for me. Yeah. Like I, I didn't really care about the Lakers until they the Celtics got good again and they were meeting in the finals in 2008. But it's a sobering thing where basically the Knicks and the Celtics they're not going to get anybody, and you and I no. are going to be in a bad. Here's what the implications on the MMO: we're going to be in a little bit of a <laughs> testy mood right. the rest of July. Toy Story Four sucked. Once upon a time in Hollywood, whatever. Yeah, we're going to be. Probably, yeah. Because That's our a good point. favorite sports teams are really letting us down after so much hype. Best actors, LeBron, like this is wine. <laughs> with so much hype. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. All right. Well, so I'm with my family on Father's Day, and my brother is doing like a Dexter season four rewatch. I think I watched eight, nine, and ten episodes okay. of season four. Did you four. watch this, is, this when it came yes, out? Okay. Yes. The John Lithgow season. And I, I want to say that this is... Excellent. Still. It's one of the single best seasons of television, maybe a top five single season of television I've ever seen. It is spectacular. It's tremendous, and it's tremendous plot-wise and performance-wise. Yeah. I don't know necessarily writing-wise, but then again, if you, you're able to write these plots, it's pretty darn good. Yeah. I know it's based on books, but uh, I was very, very impressed, even still. Like, I thought after the last few seasons I watched and it left a bad taste in my mouth that if I ever went back to Dexter it wouldn't have been as good. Luster. Right. It yeah. would have just been gross and maybe that the whole the bloodiness of it was the draw to my younger, sicker <laughs> self. And not so much? No, it's good. it's it's awesome. So FYI. I finished up the last three episodes of Historical Roasts on Netflix, and all I got to say is, man, it's it's yeah. all right. There's all a couple right. good jokes there. there. Cleopatra, Martin Luther King Jr. And Sounds Muhammad, rough. Muhammad Ali. 
<laughs> why are we roasting? But they, you know, they pay tribute. But right. It's, it's fine. The last big thing I want to talk about is Big Little Lies Season 2. I'm waiting for these to accumulate so I can binge through them. I'm very up and down on the first two oh, episodes. Oh, really? Good performances overshadow some bad dialogue. It's yeah, really bad dog. dialogue. Yeah. It's the opposite of melodrama, though, because there's like too much plot. It's like way really? too much plot. And they have too much causality for these big dramatic scenes going on. However, Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman, they can pull off anything. And talk about some Emmy real scenes. I'm sure. Meryl Streep is crushing it. And so is Nicole Kidman for that matter. Having awesome. not seen it yet, there's got to be, if it hasn't happened already, there's got to be a scene where she just laces into Nicole Kidman. Yeah. It's, if, I don't know if it's happened, obviously. Well, it's, but, it's slow burning yeah. till nigh, but it's not very subtle. That, that's my biggest issue with it so far. Like, it could be more subtle. Like, last what? year, last season, <laughs> we had much more fun with, like, let's have the rich people's paradise, speech paradise. Let's throw all the grammar school politics in. And then, yeah, there's a murder plot. That, that, <laughs> that's fun to me. And I, I want them to, you know, lean into the fun a little more. When they did that in episode one, I was digging it. And now they're kind of back to the whole, the heaviness of the trauma. And I get that. You need to, right. in a way. But you don't need Meryl Streep and Nicole Kidman to have a scene where Nicole Kidman is screaming at her kids, Don't become like your father! <laughs> you don't need that in there. They could play that without that. You know those words on the page. So, well, yeah, that's fine, probably a fair criticism. I'm going to keep going with it. I, I love season one, and there's a, there's a lot of goods delivered here, so we'll see. All right, so let's wrap up your stuff here. See by Skip with what you watch. We'll leave the sports stuff out of it. We'll leave the, the repeat stuff Keanu out of Reeves. it. Keanu Reeves! Some some new stuff. Always be my maybe. I am mother. Big Little Lies season two. See by skip those. Oh, that's tough because they're all very good in their own right. I I don't think I would watch I Am Mother again. I think okay. it, it you know it was worth it the first time. And so these are three very things that I'm high on. So I would skip rewatching I Am Mother. I'm gonna continue to see Big Little Lies. I would totally like buy Always Be My Maybe and watch that ten times over really? the All right. course of my life. I, I, I really dug that. Keanu is just going to be that guy, isn't he? He's going to have a whole second arc in his career. What a fan favorite he's become. Yeah. I, I posted this on Twitter. Everybody liked it and therefore liked me, and I felt worth uh, <laughs> in my life because Twitter. Me. <laughs> no. Me. I think Keanu Reeves is really becoming this crowd favorite. He's a walking meme at this point. Everybody, and it's a everybody lot, loves him. It's mostly from this, but it's also the Xbox yeah. thing he did. And John Wick is kind of very meta, and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's so. just his world, and we all exist in it. You got yeah. Bill and Ted sequel coming out where they're old and that's going to be fun so yeah i'm all about keanu reeves these days uh what's the best thing you saw this week michael it's kind of a best thing i listened to because i was dying for anthony davis coverage after the trade mm -hmm. and most viable podcasts the fast break pod i've been into them for this entire year right? i discovered them last summer during free agency and they're just hardworking guys like us. They're kind of on the same. They got YouTube following that's pretty strong. Cool. And they're they're growing. And I, I'm just big fans of those guys. And I shouted them out on Twitter so you can find all their stuff. Go to mostviablepodcast.com. I think it is. You know, search them out on YouTube. But they're they're working their butts off, and I love it that they covered the Anthony Davis thing immediately. Whereas ESPN only had one pod. It wasn't enough. It was a windhorse yeah. pod. The Ringer only had one pod because it happened over the weekend. And these. Guys guys just had 30 minutes of, uh, that got me my fix this weekend so thank you most valuable podcast so the most, fast break pod most valuable podcast is the name of their pod and it's They're, not the well, sports they got a pod? they got a football they got a uh, no it's it's, it's like they, they got three or four podcasts no that kidding because i know there's do. a most valuable podcast that's 
sports under the sports illustrated umbrella but it's like charlotte wilder jessica smetana do that yeah well that's crazy. you and i are not great with copyright law either <laughs> even though you should be oh i'm great with it i understand everything we're just parroting we're barely we are we're teflon. barely legal mike mike and oscar two 35 year old men barely legal we are teflon yeah all uh, right mike well, what have you been watching i didn't watch all that much variety but i did dive deep into that chernobyl uh, miniseries yes. on hbo i finished that last night I, it's all it's only six episodes like seven hours seven but and a half hours but it's heavy and it's all consuming right so Ryan L. Terry, tried, he was talking to us in our DMs, and he said that the first two episodes, he didn't get it. He was like, they, they just seemed a little slow and boring. I had the exact opposite feeling. I thought those first two episodes were spectacular, mm-hmm. and I thought it got a little slow in the middle. Okay. But the end was great. The, the finale is really, really something special. And Did they stop the nuclear... Bomb. No. No? <laughs> no. That thing explodes in episode yeah, one. That's fine. It's weird how we love plots like that where we understand what's going to happen. Yeah. But they but they, they covered that in Well, one, it wasn't huh? really about the if it explodes. It was about why it was allowed to get to that point, and it's wow. kind of the trial that, that played out from there. There's some fake characters. There's some real characters. Obviously, Russia has a huge problem with it, and they're trying yeah. to sue the creators and sue HBO right now. I read that this morning. So uh, How can they do that? I don't think they can. Right. <laughs> I don't think unless Maybe the creators oligarchy. of HBO go over to Russia, I don't think that's going to be able to be done. Right. But in their oligarch ledge country, they could. Right. So, uh, yeah. Speak I, I, against me? Right. Exactly. Your exactly. money is my money now. Uh, could be why we don't want, you know. Um, that well, over here. Uh, what, what's the word for that? The Not dictator, but the uh, the one person. Uh, the Aristocracy. Yeah. One of those. We don't want those. <laughs> uh, but no, Chernobyl was. I don't think it's worthy of the huge accolades it's been getting. Like IMDb said it was like the highest rated show of all time. It's not that. Is this everybody after Game of Thrones yes. needing something else? Yes. So badly yes. that they all embrace it's exactly this? And it's good. I think but- it, is. it is good. Yeah, sure. It's certainly worth your time to watch it and check it out. And it's it's compelling stuff and it's fascinating. Look, You know why it's so interesting too in part two is because it, the parallels to our current political system and how kind of we have a guy in chief right now who kind of looks down on people who speak ill about him yeah there's a lot of those that are obvious and i think they're purposefully obvious because of the current time that america's going through politically but i think that plays well at least as a juxtaposition or means of comparison but it's yeah it, this is totally just some we need something of the moment to talk about and this is the next like 7.5 show mm-hmm. that we're going to hype it up and it has to something needs to control the zeitgeist now did ryan talk about liking the rest of the episodes yet or he just started I, if he has i haven't seen it All right, let uh, us know Ryan. yeah i'm interested uh, to hear but... i usually agree with him more than you do and you know it's it's fun that yeah. we have this little mini rivalry uh, always yeah. <laughs> but then again my brother cliff who i haven't shouted out much on yeah. this pod he watched chernobyl and texted me like at one in the morning one uh, he loved it? on friday or something and he's like, you gotta watch this yeah. immediately. I'm like, all right. I could see that. I, I I can completely understand how people get obsessed about it, and it is. It's a wild story. It's it's it's, it's crazy that this was actually allowed to happen. But again, you know, I don't think it's the I greatest want, TV show yeah, of the time. I wanted to pick off a bunch of little things this week, so I had you know quantity more than quality. Yeah. Usually, what I go for, and then uh, I figured uh, once you started it, you were gonna binge. Yeah, it, so well, that's, that's and that's why I'm waiting for Big Little Lies, and I hope that gets better based off your reviews because I just want Meryl Streep. Season one is terrific. So. It is. It, it, I love that. I, I can't wait. I also watched the Bill Burr half of that episode of the Chef Show on Netflix, that John Favreau show. My brother Dave and your brother John have both been raving about that. Mike, Mike, and Asker, our brothers like stuff, so we watch it. <laughs> 
it. I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> I, I honestly have not had time to watch TV at all. Right. But uh, I watched this. Bill Burr was funny. It's actually a dual episode. It's Bill Burr's in the second half and Gwyneth Paltrow's in the first half. Right, so I what don't. is this show? It's it's Roy Choi, who's a chef and mm-hmm. I guess was the mentor of John Favreau for when he did the movie Chef. Okay. It's basically... Which I like, by the way. It wasn't, it I don't think fun. I ever saw it, yeah. but it's it's basically just them in the kitchen, and they have celebrities stop by, and they just make a meal, and they make different... Like Bill Burr was making a Cuban sandwich and then a grilled cheese. You should not watch this, by the way, because they the food looks amazing. I'm going to watch yeah, this, by you the way. <laughs> You're going to like watch that and go directly to a deli or something, because it's outstanding the way this food looks. All right, do you do this? I need to know. When you're watching Food Network... <laughs> Do you, like, make a ham sandwich and then, like, your imagination takes over? And, like, yeah, this tastes like banh mi. It does, right? <laughs> no, Michael, you nobody does that. <laughs> like, if you get, like, I really, I buy really good barbecue sauce, Sweet Baby Ray's. Okay. So it has a lot of taste to mm-hmm. it. So mm-hmm. if I make something bland, like a simple ham and cheese sandwich, it usually gives me something. Mm, that's a three bacon burger cheese <laughs> macaroni and cheese. You have issues when it comes to food on TV. I do. I can't do it. <laughs> I eat so much. It it's, works. Out it's me. amazing that you're in better shape than I am. It's it's offensive to me, it's quite not honestly. Really. It's, it... <laughs> but it is a fun show. I mean, uh, the chef show. I would recommend checking out. It's actually very similar. I don't know if you've ever seen, but Burt Kreischer, who's another stand-up comedian, he has a show on YouTube where it's just him and his comedian friends in his kitchen. Except that that's called something's burning or what's burning. Does he Kreischer. wear a shirt? He does for the majority Thank of it. God. Yeah. <laughs> He does, but that's it's actually very similar that this is the professional version of that, yeah. where you have a chef that knows what he's doing and not just a guy that likes cooking. Uh, but yeah, that's that was an interesting watch. You don't have to go crazy with it, uh, you know. Also watched a lot of like YouTube documentaries. That's just I don't recommend. If we're going to a C by skip, skip that because you're just going to okay. lose your mind. That we're getting into this place now in social media where documentaries and hit pieces are being done on people who aren't famous enough to warrant them. And I'm, I'm very curious as to see how that plays out with these people who don't reach this level of fame and they have this public bad information. It's got to be impossible for these people to find regular lives if mm-hmm. these stuff become mainstream enough. If people watch enough of these docs and they get enough hits and all that, this this could be like ruining people's lives. Normal people, not famous people who have done massive wrongs. Huh. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see where this kind of goes in five or six years once we have enough to, to study the fallout. You're of it. ahead of that narrative, so yeah. that, that's, that is fascinating. Mike, uh, see and buy Chernobyl and Chef then. So I would buy Chernobyl. I do think it merits watching. I think everyone should check it out, and I think there's plenty of parallels to draw between where we are right now as a society and where what something like that, how that could get to there and how that happened. I see the shit... I don't like Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm not a Paltrow oh, fan. Oh, putting her I in episode skipped. one. Yeah, that's why I, I skipped the first half of that episode. I just watched the Bill Burr piece. You don't like her goop? <sighs> She's so out of touch. No. Uh, <laughs> not. Uh, All right, but are you going to keep watching Chef? I'll, I'll dabble in it. You'll I will dabble. definitely dabble. I'm not going to binge it. I'm not going to go right through it, but I will definitely dabble in it. Yeah. So now, do you have uh, something else that best thing you watch this week, or can I ask you what you want to watch next? Take well, either question. What I want to watch next is the NBA draft. Yeah. <laughs> uh, best thing I watched this week, along going in step with the NBA draft, uh, was two things, both NBA related. So I'm sorry if you're not here with the sports talk. That's all right. The first one, remember, did you watch those YouTube videos that Jalen Rose and Bill Simmons did when Grantland was still around? Oh, yeah. Of course. The 2013 season preview, they went team by 
Spotlight team. They did like 10, Conspiracy 15 Conspiracy Bill and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. I started rewatching those just for just from the 2013, 2014. They were that great. season? Yes. They're fantastic. I wish they would come back. So those were phenomenal. And then the Chernobyl season finale, alongside with more current NBA ridiculous stuff on YouTube. Where is this going? The season finale of Chernobyl plays a big role in NBA Desktop from this week, which is a weekly I NBA catch-up from The Ringer. They put it out on social medias on YouTube. Go check it out. It's only like nine minutes. But he, Jason Concepcion, it's his finest work to date. <laughs> he parodies the KD injury with the season finale of Chernobyl, and it plays so perfectly. Uh-huh. It actually was the inciting incident to make me watch Chernobyl. Really? <laughs> because he uses actual clips from the show. And yeah, it's really fascinating. That's the best thing I watched this week. But yeah, those two things. Jason Concepcion, NBA Desktop, and Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons is, is, is really honing this YouTube thing, which I kind of enjoy. Yeah, we're big fans yeah. of The Ringer. So that, that, that thesis statement coming out of this, The Ringer. Yeah, uh, yeah I think that's fair. <laughs> we'll move on to some audience interaction stuff, Mike. And we had Six Degrees of MMO this week. A little uh, unique one, but our listeners didn't fail us. Isaac Hayes to Kawhi Leonard, or, or vice versa. Swamp Thing at Wojcik Weischer. There you go. Kawhi Leonard plays in Toronto. For where, now. Where the comic Scott Pilgrim versus the World is, took place. Yeah. The movie adaptation of that comic was directed by Edgar Wright, whose close friend is Quentin Tarantino, who used Isaac wow. Hayes' song, Three Tough Guys, in Kill Bill Volume 2. Wow. That's, That's cool. spectacular. That's also very true. And I actually just watched Scott Pilgrim versus the World a couple weeks ago. That's going to be, I don't think I talked about it because I think we got caught up in, watching, in talking about NBA stuff. That movie is going to be the can't hardly wait the breakfast club of this generation because there really? are so anna kendrick michael sarah chris evans oh, terms of casting, aubrey yeah. plaza there's so many young stars that are already on the come up and to superstardom that are in that one movie i really think that's going to be kind of the jumping off point when we look back in 30 years and be like how did they get all these a-listers now, did in you enjoy movie? that movie because i didn't love it the first time i episode. loved it man you do but I'm a, I'm a video game junkie okay. and you're not yeah right so I, it speaks more to like the the video game culture i think played nba live 95 through <laughs> my controller a lot to the point where i stopped playing video games it's like i can't do this anymore. it's not good for me that's what happened yeah yeah you're not alone like I eighth grade or whatever see that was. but you had the you so, understood that was not healthy i just kept going <laughs> i think it was sixth grade actually <laughs> jay at j skipworth Kawhi leonard plays in the city of toronto where chicago 2002 that oscar award winner was filmed and featured tay diggs who was in basic with samuel l jackson michael did you ever see basic yeah john travolta holy shit the twists they try to pull off in that movie <laughs> i don't remember it it's probably bad huh? it's there's 17 twists at the end that just make no sense <laughs> Uh, it's basic with Samuel L. Jackson, who starred in the first reboot of Shaft from 1971, where Isaac Hayes wrote the iconic theme song, tying it in to why we brought up Isaac Hayes in the first place, Definitely. because of the Shaft reboot. Nice. Uh, the depressed moviegoer at Depressed Movie says, Going obvious because I know nothing about basketball, blame my narrow British sports mind. I like the effort anyway. We appreciate that. Kawhi Leonard plays for the Toronto Raptors, Toronto being the hometown of Terrence of Terrence and Philip. <laughs> South Park, <laughs> who also included the character of Chef, boy, Chef voiced by Isaac Hayes. Was that our, our quickest one too this week? That was short. 
Toronto to, to yeah, to yeah. Vincent Phillip to Chef. That's Bang. a great job, press movie girl, for not knowing anything about basketball. You, you, I think you may have won the efficiency award this yes, week. Yes, definitely. Black Girls Do Stuff too at B-L-K-G-I-R-L-S Do Stuff, D-O-S-T-U-F-F. Kawhi to Drake, obviously, who made music with and dated Rihanna, who has been romantically linked to Leo DiCaprio. What really? a power couple that was. Oh my a couple God. years ago, yeah, they had like a summer fling, I remember. Uh, DiCaprio starred in Django with Sam Jackson, who plays Shaft, for which Isaac Hayes sang the theme song. Another one, very quick, bing, bang, boom. I thought having two absurd properties like Isaac Hayes and Kawhi would actually throw people, but... Mm. Uh, like always, we should know better. Our listeners are geniuses. I like the Kawhi to Drake Avi thing. Yeah. yeah, Drake is the number one fan of the Toronto He's Raptors. He's the mascot of the Raptors. He's the happiest person alive. This week, uh, Robert Doherty, uh, frequent flyer at yep. Robert Doc 1984, said Kawhi won the 2014 NBA Finals with the Spurs over LeBron James. He did. Who is in Smallfoot with Zendaya, who is in Spider-Man Far From Home with Samuel Jackson, who is in Shaft 2019 with Richard Roundtree, yeah. who is in Shaft 1971 with theme music from Isaac Hayes. I like that one a lot. I appreciate not stopping at the 2019 Shaft and yeah. going back to the OG. I, I really like that. Yeah, Robert Doc, nice job. Uh, winner this week. Now look, is he a winner or is it just apologizing? Look, no, he's a winner. Look who he throws in the middle of this. <laughs> I see it. Maybe laugh. We'll see. Mark Burgundy uh, at the one Hanson, another frequent flyer. H A N S E N. Isaac Hayes was in Kill Switch with Steven Seagal. We're off to a hot start already. <laughs> uh, who was in Under Siege with Erica Aleniak? Yep. Who was in Baywatch with the Hoff himself, David Hasselhoff? I love this. Who in the '90s bought an estate in Insane from John Goodman Ooh. rubbing it in our faces about our mea culpa from two weeks ago when we didn't see him finish and thought he ended on John Goodman when this we didn't ask This is his get out of jail Goodman. <laughs> it is. Uh, Goodman, of course, was in Kong Skull Island with Samuel L. Jackson who was in Jurassic Park with Raptors themselves, <laughs> not the basketball team, just the dinosaur Raptors, which leads to Kawhi Leonard. I like that link, too. He was in with real Raptors and, you know, Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> like, what would happen now if they named stuff after... You know, basically movies. So we'd have like. This is a great Twitter question, by the way, because in the 90s, you had the Mighty Ducks mm -hmm. become a, a hockey franchise. You had Raptors. What would be the greatest sports, uh, the sports team from the most current, the recent movies? Yeah, this is. We're going to have to think about this. That's like the a whole Vancouver Maz. <laughs> the, the Vancouver Octavia Spencers. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a great question. Mark Burgundy, great job, and we are fully, I think we're even now, right? You uh, you are the champion <laughs> of all things Six Degrees of MMA That's this a week. worthy champion. It is a champion. The, the blood I, in a state in Encino from John Goodman, <laughs> the dramatic irony from her, you know, Apodigo. <laughs> I, I, he did a spectacular job here. Uh, not his first win, either. I think he's been on the throne a couple times, but you are sitting on the Iron Throne, the hashtag Six Degrees of MMO uh, wire hanger throne. Like, Thank you. Like, what color is say. it now today? We gotta, we gotta add something. The wires, week. Yeah, the rusty yeah. brown. Okay, rusty, the they're just rusty now. Rusty wire. <laughs> You're hangers. sitting on rusty. Made by Here's rust, your throne by rusties. <laughs> the uh, oh red the, race cars. The car. His name is Lightning McQueen, Lightning Michael. McQueen. I can't. It's a mental block. <laughs> so, so I refuse to give space in my brain. We have gotten to the point where we're able to wax poetic about ourselves, so people who haven't listened to our past episodes have no idea what we're talking about at this point. <laughs> That's okay. Our, our listenership is very loyal, devoted. We love you guys. You've yes, been we hitting do. our stuff like crazy whenever it comes out. So, so you are the winner of and the, the owner of all the bragging rights for all things Six Degrees or MMO this week. Mark Burgundy, congratulations. Michael, what do we want for a challenge for 
for next week. I want to link the two rewatches because this is the last chance we can do it. I like it. All right, so I'm going to go Uma Thurman, who's coming up in Kill Bills. Yes. We're going to do one and two over the next few weeks mm-hmm. here. And I am not going to go to an actor. Okay. I'm going to go to a Buzz Lightyear. Oh. So you got Uma Thurman to Buzz Lightyear. Link our two rewatches. Have fun with it. Yeah. Hopefully it's not too easy. I force at least one something in the middle there. Because <laughs> if Uma Thurman was in Jungle to Jungle and I don't remember... <laughs> With Tim Allen and Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Bonus points if they bring up Tim Allen's cocaine arrest from the 70s, or lose points if they bring up... Bonus, (laughs) now. Bonus. All right, so that is your challenge for this week. Oma Thurman, not to Tim Allen, but to Buzz Lightyear, tying in our Pixar rewatch series along with our Tarantino rewatch series. That is what you guys have to deal with this week. Mike, let's slide into a box office update. Yes. First place this week is Men in Black, MIB International, 28.5 domestically on the weekend, 73.7 overseas for a $102.2 million cumulative on $110 million uh, for the budget there. Not good. Originally projected to do about $40 million in its opening, which would at least put it on track to make its $110 million budget back domestically. It's not even cracking $30 million for an opening. So between this poor showing and Shaft's relatively lowly, $8.3 million, I think it came in sixth at the box office this week, for, uh, which is also not great. Right. All the news outlets were tripping over themselves to point out what a bad year 2019 has been for sequels. Bad year. People want to howl that for every Endgame, there's been a plethora of Lego Movie Part 2s, Dark Phoenixes, What Men Want, and MIB Internationals, yeah. of course. So I, I agree there's reason to worry. Uh, and we talk all the time here about how franchises are the only properties getting greenlit and how sequels are the only ones getting greenlit and how the mid-budget film is racing towards extinction. Fatigue. Yeah, and how that's definitely playing a factor and how the industry monopolies are hurting the movie theater business at large. But I think those are mutually exclusive because citing these sequels as an example of any of those issues is like trying to force down a narrative, which is what we just complained about cars trying to do throughout their three movies for their plots. Like trying to shoehorn in something that doesn't really equate because yes, the cinema scores for these films are high. All these quote unquote flops shaft had a B cinema score. I think men in black, I think was an A cinema score. Uh, but the reality is these sequels aren't worth seeing for the most part. I'm sorry if I'm offending you, but at least not in theaters. Endgame had the time to put into it. They had decade build up, all that. They had a huge budget. I get that. And I'm not saying Shaft and Men in Black need a decade-long storyline. But is it too much to ask that a film, when it has a $100 million plus budget, get enough work into it to do better than a 24-66 Rotten Tomato score split between critics and audience scores? So here's my here's where I land. Serialization has become a priority for movie studios. Mm-hmm. You have to tell ongoing stories yep. to get people into the theaters because watching stories at home, consuming stories at home, has become so popular and so rewarding that you, you have to make people want to go back to the, agree. You know, so as much as you can do with the new stuff, it's it's a balancing act. You gotta keep the old stuff coming out and getting us to the theaters that way, making these movie events. Etc. Etc. With the blockbusters, and I think to that you can't just green light a sequel and rely on what happened in the past to get people in the door, right? Like I don't know, I, we haven't seen Men in Black International, but I I, I imagine it doesn't have a lot of ties to the original trilogy, and if yeah. they do, they're probably kind of weak and just also ran ideas. And these aren't the sequels that, like, 2019 has been hyped about anyway, except for maybe Dark Phoenix. I think you could argue people were looking forward to that, right? But 
all you have to do is put time into your sequel and like you said get a narrative and a through line people want to see if you have a decent movie look at how to train your dragon 3 look at john wick 3 those are examples of successful sequels that probably came from out of nowhere, but they had solid storytelling. They had time and effort put into them. They had people that gave a shit and not to disparage anyone that worked on Men in Black or Shaft, but there's a difference between greenlighting something that's purposely linear and considered a sequel and greenlighting something that's not. I wonder if people are going with the scores, the critical reception at this point. Could be. You know, I mean, you look at what's in common for all the movies that don't do as well. It's the fact that they're getting rotten reviews. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, and they're getting that score that is just down, and uh, maybe critics are having a lot to do with this. You know, and people are trusting that Rotten Tomatoes score for John Wick, How to Train Your Dragon Three. It's high. Secret Life of Pets is gonna make its money back, mm-hmm. even though it didn't, you know, become a, a, a super hit right. like the first one. These others are down in the dumps in terms of critical reception. And you would think the box office for Men in Black would be a lot higher if, like, even Tommy Lee Jones came back, right? Yeah, and was part of this one as opposed to. To, I don't know if he plays a cameo or anything. Yeah, I, I wonder if, player. if you have that nostalgic hook right. that no matter what, I got to see this. Okay, you know, you, you have sequels that do well. Nostalgia sells, man, especially mm-hmm. now. And we're going to talk about it later in a different section. But yeah. look, as far as 2019 being the year of floppy sequels, we still have It. We still have Star Wars. We have Spider-Man. We have Toy Story 4. Those are the ones and that it, have gotten all the hype. And Avengers. Right. So, well, yeah, and that's already a glowing example of success. So if those upcoming sequels flop, then I'll buy into this, you know, 2019 isn't good. But those are the ones that are most tied to their original source material anyway and are tied to their original franchises. So let's, let's I mean, even Glass was able to pull in five times its production budget oh, domestically. Glass made a ton of money. Right. And that's probably the hook from the last movie that we're going to get a right. showdown between all these characters that, that that was just you know unmissable for for folks yeah. so it makes some sense second place was secret life of pets 2 on an 80 million dollar budget it pulled in another 23.8 on its second weekend for a 92 slash 62.5 totals domestic and overseas 154.5 again on that 80 million dollar budget that is uh, heading towards profitability mike have you noticed how heavily this one's still marketed on like tv and youtube around here it's, it's still getting commercials pushed out and saying now in theaters. And it's just the contrast between how that movie is being treated versus how Dark Phoenix, which is being treated like it doesn't even exist. Maybe they saw an opportunity with all these poor critic scores. Could be. And yeah. they figured, all right, maybe we can be number one again. It was yeah. close. It was, well, and they it finished number close, two. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, but I just thought <laughs> this one is still being pushed and Dark Phoenix is there just acting like it didn't even come out. Yeah. That thing is done. Third place was Aladdin, $16.7 million weekend. The totals are 263 slash 461 for a worldwide hume of $724 million. $700 million for this Aladdin movie. Yeah. Something we thought was going to flop and look bad, and we were very wrong. We were very wrong. $183 million budget, that, that's, that's some big uh, profits. This movie's on the verge of being one of the top 100 earners ever. Yeah. Worldwide. Ever. One of the most 100 biggest revenue earners in movie history. I'm still curious to see it in theaters, though, too. I wonder if that has something to do with it. Like, it's it's holding fairly well, and people are just like, all right, you know, I love the Latin one. The curious, and I say, yeah. Let's just go see it. All right, it got 60% fine. If this is doing 724, The Lion King's going to do over a billion easy, right? You would think? I would think. Yeah. A Lion King looks terrific, but yeah. I, I think it's going to get good reviews. Dark Phoenix came in fourth, $9 million weekend for a uh, 51 domestic total, 152 yeah. overseas, $204 million cumulative there. Yeah, 73% drop in domestic audience from its opening weekend. 
It's a sad send-off for the decade-spanning mutant franchise. We actually went deep into this last week during our box office update during MMO Weekly. We even pitched some conspiracy theories or two. So definitely go check that out and give it a listen. We were got a little passionate about that. Yeah, Rocketman 8.8 uh, for fifth place, 66 slash 67 for a $133 million total worldwide. $40 million budget, so this is already profitable. Yeah, it's amazing this film's still standing, huh? Yeah, fifth place after the third weekend. Again, it's something like, all right, critics, critics' reviews are strong, and it has that undeniable hook that we know we're going to get musical goods delivered here. We know we got a great performance. Yeah. It looks fantastic. Look at the costumes. You know, we liked all of that in the in the film. Definitely has review. goods. Is it an Oscars movie? Maybe not. No. Probably not. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> not. You think it'll be a long, long time till this one cut touches down off the top ten list? Is that a lyric? You think other producers look at the box office rankings, see Rocketman this high, and think to themselves, the bitch is back? (laughs) You think audiences get so emotional during this film, they never know where to turn to when the rain sets in, so they just end up seeing it again? (laughs) Crocodile rock. (laughs) You're such a dork. I'm sorry. (laughs) You're a dork, Mike. we got to ask if we care about stuff. Yes. This is the Do You Care segment. This is where we take news stories of the week. We ask ourselves, do we, should we, and will we care about them? The way we start off every Do You Care segment is we take the upcoming releases for this week, and I ask dear Michael here if he cares about them. So this week, opening up in theaters, we got three going nationwide, one more limited. Anna opens up. Child's Play opens up as well nationwide, and the big one, obviously, Toy Story 4. Wild Rose also opens up limited. Do we care about any of those? I got a hot take here. I'm not really caring that much about Child's Play. Ooh. And uh, I'm just not into it. I don't like the last few trailers. It's just not... It's not sucking me in. That's uh, something we considered doing a, uh, a franchise rewatch of, too, at one point. I'm thoroughly excited for Toy Story 4. I'm more excited than I ever thought I would be. We after have three. to be at this point. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> We're pot committed. Well, but this is, a, yet again, a, a resounding yes for all these rewatches. Yeah. Because it gets me so hyped. And I'm really proud of us, and I'm proud of all the work we do. I cannot wait. I'm just at a fever pitch for Toy Story 4. I echo your sentiments exactly. Were you surprised to see how many people on Twitter speak fondly of Toy Story 2? Yeah, but at the same time, no. Because I I still liked Toy Story 2 on the rewatch. And if we hadn't seen it in a while, we would speak highly of it. Yes. Right. I, that's how I kind of rationalized it myself. Again, you know, you make us laugh 20 times. And right. You, you make us happy 20 times. Uh, that's fine. You know, we, we'll forgive the, the storytelling. We'll forgive the ridiculousness of it, I think. If we need to apologize for something as a nation, why don't we just get Sarah McLaughlin to sing about it? Because that seems to be okay <laughs> with everybody. True. True story. <laughs> the power of Sarah McLaughlin coming full circle on MMOW. Wow. But Anna, Luc Besson. <laughs> doing another movie there i don't know i'm up and down i haven't seen any reviews for it yet you just wanted to say his name yeah i did yeah i did wild rose i have no idea hopefully maybe yes nothing about that myself Uh, i'm i am excited for child's play but only because i want aubrey plaza to like get a horror career out of this all right but do you need to go this week to see it no you're you're right you're right i'm going to see in theaters though at some point i will all right i'm asking you now blumhouse has announced that it's remaking black christmas mike You're a big fan of the original, not a big fan of the remake. Yes, uh, both very true statements. So I care 
and I'll get into why, but if they were just doing this with, if they were doing it just because they wanted to redo 2006, I wouldn't, because that movie, this can't be worse than that first remake. That movie was bad. And Black Christmas is a pretty historically relevant property in horror. It was like the first one to use the phone as that mechanism to, to, call and scare the protagonist really? and freak out people. So yeah. it was innovative. Yeah, it was a really innovative property and put you in the killer's POV, which not a lot of films had done at that point either. Uh, I was stoked to watch the 2006 remake for those reasons because I knew it was such a vaunted and beloved property in horror. And man, it was one of the only films I turned off without seeing the end because I just was so outraged by it. Wow. And just and even it has Mary Elizabeth Winstead too. And she couldn't save it for me. So our pal Ryan is probably screaming at the uh, radio right now. He's like, Hitchcock had uh, the phone thing. Yeah, yeah, I know. Before you're so saying he did. This one has Sophia to call. She's going to direct. That's great. We always want more women in the director's chair in horror, especially. And Jason Blum is producing, which means he gets to put his foot squarely into his mouth after the comments about female horror directors he made last year. Right. So, yes, I care for those reasons. All right, we got on Jason Blum yeah. for not hiring female directors and then for being stupid yep. and how he rationalized the fact that he didn't do so. Uh, but here he's working with Sophia Takao. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Uh, I think that's showing some growth in the industry, and that's good. And I feel like we may have bashed him a little too much only because that quote was so out of place. But Jason Blum has never really been the guy that yeah. people that's been a shining example of misogyny, I feel like, anyway. I don't of think course. he's been that guy. Well, here he is. You right. know, I mean, because he's made female empowerment tales in these movies. Right throughout these movies it's in they're not just victims in all of them so that, yeah jason blum all right winning us back over a little bit yeah. here with this uh behind the scenes narrative so that's a good thing and uh, let's uh, hey let's give him credit where it's due about time but let's go yeah and please be better than 2006's remake let's do it <laughs> mike we have tarantino star trek coming out this week with some updates of themselves there's apparently a finished script uh, William Shatner is speaking out in favor of it. <laughs> so William Shatner is kind of getting us ready for all the cursing and swearing. He's like, in back in episode whatever of the TV series, there was these words or these implications. I forget what he said. I probably should have relooked that up. I am lazy. But this seems kind of weird to me, this story. Because Tarantino doesn't direct stuff that he doesn't write. I know that's yeah. double negative there, but he's going to weigh in on this script that was commissioned to a couple big names in the industry after he pitched this plot line to whoever was in control of the Star Wars franchise. I remember J.J. Abrams came out and saying, wow, this is a great idea. Uh, let's do this immediately. They immediately commissioned the, the writing of the script. Now that script is done. Tarantino basically in the editing room for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And he is saying he's hoping to do this movie. And if he does direct it, of course it'll be R-rated. And all that stuff comes out this week conveniently because now once upon a time in Hollywood hype is starting to build, yeah. right? So how much does Tarantino really care about this property is what I'm wondering. Is he just going to be a producer on it at the end of the day or a story by guy on this at the end of the day? How much is he going to invest in it? I That's know, good question. You know, this is his ninth movie coming out. Is he only going to do ten films? And is this going to be his tenth film? I, I, no, I feel like I don't every movie it. he does anymore, he's, he always talks about how it's going to be his last one and he's done. And he's, he's never going to retire just like Daniel Day-Lewis is never going to retire. Let's be serious. I hope both of those are true. <laughs> um, he's never left Earth, Tarantino, right? True. None of his properties have ever dealt with alien life form. Never, no. Which I think close. is a little odd for such a prolific director, because, yeah. I mean, even Spielberg had E.T., you know? He so. has his principles thus far, <laughs> Mr. Tarantino. So I'm, if, if Tarantino's going to make, you're right, if he's super involved and he's going to do the one making the script and making the edits and all that, then... I want that, yeah, yes. I'm in. Yes. If... 
it's just an EP credit to get his name on it. And this is kind of a minor publicity stunt, even yeah. though he doesn't need the publicity, really. Because like yeah. his audience that's right. going to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, they're going to go anyway. Right. Right. You know, we're doing a rewatch, sure. not because there's also a Star Trek movie coming out. <laughs> we're doing a rewatch because he, Tarantino's got a new movie coming out. Yeah. Period. Yeah, you're right. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I feel exactly as you do. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fourth one here. Miramax is for sale, Michael, which will impact... Two beloved franchises for yeah. you, Halloween and Scream. This was a big article on Bloody Disgusting. Yeah, so those two franchises, their rights lie with Miramax. Miramax is owned right now by the BN Media Group Company, which is a Qatar-based media company. Okay. Viacom and Lionsgate right now, according to Deadline, are the two reported studios with interest. This is from Anthony D'Alessandro's article from Deadline. He also said that Sony is not interested in jumping in on the purchase. That article also brings up the biggest issue, which is... Uh, at least how I see it, that BN Media Group, that Qatar media company, Mm -hmm. they own Miramax currently. They're said to be interested in retaining some control over whether Miramax is, whatever Miramax's next move is, I should say. That makes no sense to me. So BN is reportedly asking for $650 million for what would equate to the Miramax library, but not control over where the company goes next. Are they trying for like a Pixar maneuver here? I don't know. Because Pixar remained independent creatively. Right. When they sold to Disney. that Maybe that's what they're thinking. Maybe. Why would Miramax have that cachet right now? They're selling for a price that is less than what they bought it for. And they're asking for a ton of money for it, for just the library. Miramax was sold by Disney to Filmyard in 2010 for $663 million. Yeah. So if BN is asking for a comparable price to what Filmyard paid Disney to acquire less. Miramax, they're going to have to give their interest in total, I would think. You would think. Right? I mean, you're going to ask for basically double what the value was just eight years ago? Nine years ago? True. Let's talk about what this means for Mikey Myers and Ghostface, though. Deadline says that Viacom, which owns CBS, MTV, and Showtime, could be interested in acquiring Miramax in order to turn their film properties into TV shows. We've seen that attempt by MTV and Scream already. Uh, It was considered a flop, and its rights, I think, were sold to Netflix, who apparently has season three but can't release it due to contractual hang-ups. All that fun stuff. David Gordon Green saved Halloween from being flirted with as a TV series, which was a rumor that did pop up prior to Blumhouse's getting involved. Mike, I hate the idea of Halloween becoming a TV show. I hated the idea of Scream as well. I agree. That would be so aggravating because what's so cool about those slasher films is that you you write endings for them, and it's, it's... you need that. Yeah, it's satisfying. And I, I love that the bad guy keeps coming back for a new story right. where you're going to get a pivotal ending. I don't like serialization in the sense that you make this endless middle or this long form who done it for Michael. How does that even work for Michael Myers? Like that's just going to become repetitive. It's going like to be zombie like, which we just saw Rob Zombie. Yeah, yeah. The whole the greatest thing about the the Halloween franchise for me is its endings. And Scream's pretty damn good at it, too. Yeah. And, I look, I know that TV series are becoming more finite. And I think that's it's pushed more to, to more of the... Anthology-type series. Yeah, and to more of the British model, where yeah. you got a season or a series, and that's it, you move on. Game of Thrones is an example of this. They could have went 11 seasons, and they went eight instead, or really seven and a half instead. Breaking Bad, too. Breaking yeah. Bad, too. So, they, you know, they're, they're going more more finite. At the same time, they're not really sticking the landings on a lot of these, So that, which makes me worry all the more. And if this seems like it, it has to make money... Then I'm totally worried that we're gonna get 14 seasons of a crappy Scream. I watched show. the I watched the first season of Scream on MTV. It, it, that's not Scream. Okay, right? That's not at all. They didn't even have Ghostface for Christ's sake. They changed the mask of all things. That's not Scream. Oh no. Uh, look, I 
if you just had the success with David Gordon Green, you prove that there's now we are in this age where fans of these properties are old enough to be directors and writers and handle these properties with care. And in doing so, they can make something profitable. And there's clearly a market for nostalgia. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's clearly a market, especially for horror nostalgia. And I could cite examples from the Evil Dead remakes to Ash versus Evil Dead. Sure. Uh, we're going to talk about Doctor Sleep, which is basically a sequel property to a horror. We have It Chapter Two coming up. The, I understand Scream 4 was a sequel that didn't really do well at the box office. Mm -hmm. The period between 2011 when that came out and 2019 right now, I feel like nostalgia has been a huge shift since then. Yes. I think that kind of came out before that big nostalgia horror, at least horror nostalgia wave was precedent. I to, think To the you, point where the TV show got greenlit. Exactly. I think if you do this now, I think it would be a worthwhile venture. I think it would make money. I think yeah. it would certainly do better than Scream 4 did. Call Nev Campbell, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, get them back in there, maybe finally kill them off, but get a writer and a director who care deeply about the Scream franchise in the way that Danny McBride and David Gordon Green proved they cared about the Halloween franchise, yeah. and give it your best shot. You don't have to go overboard with the budget. Give it like a $50, $60 million budget, and just try. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. That's fine. But I, I refuse to believe, like you're making the case for, that these films are better off as television properties than they are as slashers. Yeah, I don't see it at all. In terms of the, the kind of stories they tell, uh, I'm rooting against it. Now, that all that being said, you know, Blumhouse has been the innovator for new talent. Get them involved. In, in a main way, A24 as well. Does Miramax sell off its old library so it can focus on new people? We've seen Jennifer Kent. We've seen Jordan Peele. We've seen Ari Aster become horror auteurs yeah. over the last few years, uh, last 10 years at least. And we've seen a lot of great new horror movies come out. So does Miramax get, get do they get back to their roots, Miramax or Miramax? <laughs> do they get back to their roots and find new, new talent if they're... Well, selling was, off their library. Yeah, who, who do you credit? You know, are the Weinstein's the only creative forces in that brand? Were they no. were the ones responsible for finding no, of course personally not. for finding all these? Of course. Not. If they weren't, if there's still talent there, then yeah, why not try to uncover some new gems? Yeah, because it's it just really strange to me that they're trying to sell partial control. I don't get that. I don't understand how you can ask for that much money on that deal. I don't even. I, I can't. I can't even rationalize it in my head. I'm trying to think. Maybe because they have some so many Oscar winners attached to it in the Miramax library, and I get that. But I, unless you're going to open up a streaming, a new streaming service, I, I don't. I don't see it. It's a big number. Number five, Mike. Yeah, the Hunger Games prequel was announced by Lionsgate, speaking of Lionsgate, based on an upcoming book. You have read these. You read the original Hunger, Hunger Games movies. Did yeah. you see them? Yes, I did. You uh, read the books. So you don't read movies. You see movies. Yep, you did correct. all those things correctly. All of those things yes. correctly. I, and Suzanne Collins is a great writer uh, <laughs> in, in novel format, and YA novel format. So I, I think she'll do a great job with this prequel. I'm excited about this. I know she was a school teacher forever, and then she started her writing career late. So Good for her. she's an inspiration to us all. And I think that the Hunger Games could do a lot with this prequel. I mean, it's going to be a war that creates this whole Hunger Games thing. So let's, let's go. Or you can just tell, I mean, a fight to the death, the battle royale to the death is just great drama right there. Sure. So you can have a prequel series if you want. I, I, I enjoyed the movies for the most part. I think the first one was the best, even though the second one was pretty darn good. The third movie was a bit of a letdown, but still okay. The books were terrific. I read those in like a month. There's that good. So were the films not as true to the books? They were. I think, you know, it's it's hard to adapt those books a little bit, right. but the books were better than the movies, I will say, even though the first movie 
was something that emotionally really worked on me. And Jennifer Lawrence became a you know humongous yeah, mega star coming out of it, so it was worthwhile. But yeah, so I'm I do care, and, and I'm in. I, I hope they can they can make this work. Yeah, I, I just you know I see a good writer, so good. I, I, good. I'm with you. I don't know. I don't have an attachment to the series myself, but I hope uh, everything you say just comes to fruition because Lord knows we can use more hits in uh, in the movie theaters. I guess we'll move on. Speaking of hits in the movie theaters, to talking about trailer thoughts. <laughs> yep. Thoughts. Bunch of trailers this week, Michael, as they are coming hot and heavy because we're getting near that time where we're previewing the fall and winter stuff coming out. So speaking of winter, Frozen 2 came out. So this is going to be a musical, right? There's not a clear sense of that here, even though you got the the chorus in the background, which is fun. They got to be. I would think. They got to be doing it in a musical. Um, so let's hope for some great songs. Cause that, to me, that's what made the last movie. How are they going to outdo let it go? I don't know. That's a tall order. That's a t- the tallest, <laughs> the tallest, but look, th- this trailer looks beautiful. You got the purple fires or pinkish fires next to all the cold blues and whites and snows. I mean, wow, that's incredible. It looks like fall. They got to go to a fall land. Autumn land, Autumn right? Land. They're like going through a forest that's all global orange. Yeah, it's, yeah. So the next one's going to be based on summer. Yeah. <laughs> Seasonal. That could work. It could work. Frozen. I have nothing but faith. Won't work for the snowman. But... Right. No, he, he, poor Olaf. <laughs> I have nothing. He's going to be a puddle. I have nothing but faith in uh, in this franchise and in Frozen. I'm excited to see this. I'm very curious to see how they attempt to do, outdo, let it go. I don't think that can be done. I like the dramatic irony, though, from Rockman's speech about the powers, that she had too much power for the world, and now we <laughs> hope she has enough for this new world and the new problems. I like that. Yeah? I like that. I forget the quote, but it was a good quote. All right. Rockman. <laughs> it's not his name. Troll. Rock, rock troll. Oh, just, oh, the troll in that, yeah. The troll man. So you think he's made of rocks? I thought he's a rock. I don't know. He's a rolling rock guy. I wish it was the rock. The rock. <laughs> elevate this to another level <laughs> Dr. Sleep also had its first trailer look this is Ewan McGregor this is the sequel to The Shining yeah I start and I stop reading a lot of books like if I get an audiobook that I just don't like I, I stop it very quickly this was one of those because it was so disgusting it's all about room 237 at the beginning which hooked me yeah and then they had this cult of shiners or whatever it's bizarre the story to this is bizarre. I really like the premise, though. Years following the events of The Shining, a now adult, Dan Torrance, meets a young girl with similar powers as his and tries to protect her from a cult known as the True Knot who prey on children with powers to remain immortal. You have Rebecca Ferguson in here as Rose the Hat. That's an <laughs> awesome name and a scary name in the same breath, but... I'm a fan of this trailer. How about you? I really enjoyed it, but I never read Doctor Sleep. I read the uh, Wikipedia entries, and I know I know the story about it. Okay. In my head, I was like, "There is no Crazy, way man. they can actually do this as a true to life sequel to The Shining." Because we're talking not only about cults, but like cults that feast on the powers of the young. All this supernatural stuff was really hinted at in The Shining. It wasn't 
open there for everyone yeah. to explore. That's my biggest worry, that this is going to be too bizarre. Yeah. They're going to have to set up too many rules. And it looks many... like they're staying close to the story. Like, they're okay. going exactly into... They're talking about the true knot. They're talking about the, the spirits that they can, like, suck the spirits out of kids. It looks exactly like what the, the book is. I think Stanley Kubrick was smart in the, in the first Shining. He didn't get into too much of the right. supernatural stuff. He left it as a mystery. And now we're basically... And it made it creepier. Yeah, it does, and it, it can, and I think Stephen King's book was more about right. the supernatural and really explaining it away, and definitely seen that way with the, the next, you know, the sequel, the years later sequel, and, and Stephen King didn't love Stanley Kubrick. No, he did not, famously. Famously for that. So I, I like what I'm seeing here, but I'm worried about people going in expecting The Shining. Yeah, you get a little bit of that. It's hard when you don't have that iconic setting, like a grocery store is not the same thing as the Overlook Hotel. Right. So to have the slow Well, it looks like they're going back to it, right? I mean, his face is in that Here's Johnny cutout. Yeah, but it's like a flash to... It's like a mental It's like a painting. hallucination yeah. in his whatever apartment, which is scary. Yeah. You got the chalkboard, which is scary. <laughs> yes. I think he could do a good job, Ewan McGregor, with this. I do too. I'm hopeful. I, it certainly looks intriguing. I, I, I'm hopeful. Save I have my fingers crossed. a from a cult. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's harrowing stuff. We'll see. I lo- you know, I love the nostalgia in the trailer, though. You get the, you know, the music at the end. You get the, the doorway with the Here's Johnny. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm in. I'm with you. I have high hopes. Spider-Man Far From Home, they have a new TV spot and a new trailer. Both of these are more focused on the adventure and the action and the endgame spoilers. Holy endgame spoilers, Batman. <laughs> no a lot of that in here. Then the comedy. And I thought the first trailer and first TV spot was all about the comedy. It made me laugh a bunch of times. You had the Peter Parker pick a pack of pickle peppers, you know, alliteration <laughs> in that trailer. That was really funny. And then you had all the Nick Fury stuff for the first time, which is repeated here. And then you get the Flash character who's just like his rival. Mm-hmm. He hates Peter Parker, but he loves <laughs> Spider-Man. I thought that was all really funny. Now you just got this one awkward cop joke so the, the comedy's not there but the adventure's there which i loved and i loved all the mysterious stuff i loved all the action so i'm in i'm just a little worried that they don't have enough comedy in here and, and i the, think after endgame you need a lot of comedy i i think we're gonna get it i mean spider-man's usually good for that at least the the first was this the third one or the second one this is the second, second one, right? one at least the first one was good for that they're gonna make they're gonna suck us in with mysterio and then have him turn heel on us aren't they yeah right he's already in the trailer he's like <laughs> Sometimes people got to die. Yeah, uh, <laughs> And I'm already rooting for him so hard because I love Jake Gyllenhaal. I love the Mysterio character. He, he looks so fucking awesome. awesome with his green shit going awesome. on there. All the action involving Mysterio. I uh, might root for the heel. In this right. One. Kill Spider-Man. <laughs> Who cares? We have 18 versions of him. Look at another one. <laughs> no, I, I am looking forward to this quite uh, a lot, but it's MCU, so of course we are. Yep. Good Boys trailer 2 came out. This was hysterical. Funniest trailer of the year. <laughs> this was so funny. By a lot. I laughed hard like yeah. 10 times. So I'm not, we're not going to spoil any of those jokes, but just go and watch this trailer. Really hysterical. The only worry I have is that they put too many of the great Are jokes. Are they giving away too many funny jokes in this trailer? Yeah. And movies have done this to us. Sure. Now. They have done this many times, and they, they are willing to sell their soul to sell the movie. There's reason to be worried. I mean, this is six early 6.3 on IMDb, early 52 Metascore. Those aren't great for coming-of-age oh, comedies. Uh, but at the same time, I'm okay with comedies getting lower scores because sometimes my evil, terrible, goofy sense of humor doesn't line up with critics. And if you're going to have a comedy that's going to be Jacob Tremblay against Molly Gordon, <laughs> I'm... I don't care. I'm yeah, in. I'm in too. <laughs> I'm so in. I'm I hopeful. love both of them. It looked really funny. 
The Art of Self-Defense, Mike. 81 Metascore, July 12th. This is a comedy? Jesse Eisenberg, Alessandro Nivola, both are doing a great job. Yeah. Nivola was in Disobedience. He he was a standout to me in that movie, full of great performances. He's got another one here, and this is supposed to be a dark comedy about what seems to be toxic masculinity. Holy shit. This is, we need to talk about Kevin, but in the Taekwondo studio. (laughs) Yeah, it's scary stuff. It's like a serious version of the foot fist way. Yeah, (laughs) I I was amazed. And they show the quotes from Variety and a couple of the trades in there. They talk about how it's it's the needed dark comedy for the year and all that. And it does not play like that. I was not laughing in this trailer. Not at all. All right, you weren't either. But the drama was working Yes, I'm like, this kid's going to snap. Jesse Eisenberg looks like a guy that's going to snap and take out his his instructor. It's like taxi driver. Yeah, uh, exactly. Exactly yeah. the, the theme I got. So maybe that's purposeful. Maybe they want the misdirection there. Maybe it is chock full of laughs. They say it's a dark comedy. I don't know, but it looked great. I almost deleted this trailer on our list today because we were going long. And I was like, 81 meta score though. And I, I love the trailer. Yeah, so same here. We kept it in. It's a, It looks good. I was, I was as intrigued by this one as I was disappointed in this next one of Official Secrets. Yeah, me too. Uh, I mispronounce this every time. Tatsi was sure. Oscar nominated. Uh, Eye in the Sky was a strong movie with Helen Mirren. Mm-hmm. Gavin Hood has done some good things. Yep. He's done some bad things. You know, Ender's Game, that was disappointing. The Wolverine Scream Fest uh, X-Men Origins movie was terrible. <laughs> Not good. This one has a 63 meta score. This is Official Secrets starring Kira Knightley, about a, apparently about a whistleblower. It's nice to see Kira Knightley stop doing period pieces. And That's get back true. to modern day. <laughs> you know, she's back to modern day here. But then again, it's kind of a period piece out of about 2003 or something. That's fine. That's right. fine. I'll take, I'll take 15 years ago as opposed to 1,500 years ago. Close enough. <laughs> but I would have figured, you know, before I score, saw the scores, this could have been, you know, Oscar worthy or at least in the... Sniffing around, yeah. But no, I nah. mean, the scores are down, so I'm doubting. It's like it wants to be... Uh, an updated version of all the president's men, but it, at least based on the trailer, it doesn't seem to be that any kind of hook. I identify with that character, though, the Kira Knightley character. I mean, you and I are screaming at the news all the time. Yeah. And whatever we read and, you know. So Country before sense. party or whatever that would be for a news anchor type exactly. thing. You don't have to just fall in line. I love Ray Fiennes. He's like the head honcho of the newspaper in this. So yeah. it has goods yeah i want it to be good i want it to be good it just i wasn't it didn't have a hook for me i wasn't crazy about it i'm gonna end these trailers with the trailer for a a netflix television show which is something i actually watch glow season three had its trailer come out and we eat these up too like right after they come out this is one of those that we binge immediately they come out right at the perfect time for us in the off off season before we used to do massive rewatches though so now i'm (laughs) who knows but uh hopefully we'll get consume it quickly i love glow yeah. The first two seasons were a lot of fun. Four Critics' Choice noms, uh, ten Primetime Emmy noms, two wins, one for production design, the other for stunt coordination. This is like an 80s dress-up party fantasy for all of us. Yeah. Because when, when we were in college, we had a lot of those. <laughs> right. And we enjoyed a lot of those. I have a question for you. What is the story of this season? They're in Vegas, and they're having fun. And that's it. <laughs> like, this is how you do a trailer. <laughs> Official Secrets needs to take notes. And if you don't have anything you want to give away in the trailer, just play a good song, listen, listen to, to your heart, heart. from Roxette, <laughs> uh, and just show concerned faces. I mean, this is like a cookie-cutter, stereotypical, it's almost like a mock-up of a serious preview, Yeah, but it's serious, 
and it's ridiculous. And it's still making a slap. And I love it. I love it, too. I'm <laughs> Mark in. Maron is hysterical. And Glow is great also for having all those great songs. Listen to your heart. They ended the season finale of season two was Destination Unknown by, by uh, what the hell is the name of that band? Destination Unknown. Missing Persons, which is straight out of the end. Destination <laughs> How Unknown. How do you remember that? Because I downloaded it immediately after <laughs> listening to it. And I have listened to it a thousand times since. Great music, great costumes, great wrestling, a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, we're totally in. Absolutely in. Can't wait for Glow. Looking forward to that. Glad it got a third season, too. Well, that's your week. That's setting you up for the Hollywood week to come. And we want to know your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, as always. Are you excited about any of these trailers or any of the news stories or anything? Do you care about something that we do or don't? Let us know. We want to hear from you, as always. Uh, We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram. MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com. And on Reddit, we're available everywhere. You hear podcasts. Tune in Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, etc. Uh, Michael has some words of wisdom for getting your week off on the right foot and also what's coming soon from MMO. Yeah, watch Toy Story 3. I just watched it yesterday, rewatched it. We're going to do our episode on that next, so I'm fusing words of wisdom with the, the <laughs> fact that I'm previewing what's upcoming. I'm sure Kill Bill Volume 1 is going to be awesome. I've rewatched that a bunch over. That's like an annual for me. It's I love that movie. movie. So we're doing that at the end of the week. Obviously, we got Toy Story 4. That we're gonna figure out how to watch the NBA draft and review oh, at the no. end of this week. You didn't know that. I, I was, forgot about that. That was coming up in the production meeting after this yeah. episode. So all right, we gotta we're gonna that out. we're gonna figure out how we're gonna do it all. Uh, but we got Toy Story three, Toy Story four, Kill Bill Volume one on the schedule as of now. Who knows? It can get weird. It usually does, but hopefully we're gonna get those three done for you soon. It will get weird. Uh, guys, one reality sucks. You can come watch movies with us. We are trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar, and we will see you soon. See ya.